are willing to walk on the front lines and to begin to help open up this city so that we can continue loving you and serving you. We pray for all those who have been sick or have lost loved ones during this time. Continue to be with them, strengthen them, encourage them. May they be empowered by your spirit today. May they be shown love and comfort. And Lord, help us to now be the leaders you've called us to be, to be as wise as serpents, but as harmless as doves, to be a blessing to this city. Give our leaders wisdom and guidance and let us help support them in the things that line up with your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen. Let's bless the Lord. It's good to be here. Amen. Could you turn down my monitors just a little bit, please, Curtis? Thank you, band. Let's give it up for the band. They did amazing. Great to have them here. And I want to make sure that, Pastor Berto, would you please uh, get me the count for this service as well? We'll combine it with our first service. It seems like first service folks had more faith than our second service folks. (laughs) Half kid there. But we've already had the news. We've been on the news in a couple different ways. I'll tell you about that in just a little bit. But let's open up our Bibles to Psalm 133. Feel free to social distance, to wear a mask, to do what's ever appropriate for you and your family. In Psalm 133, David said, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the blessing, or excuse me, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Everybody say, the blessing of the Lord is in Christian unity. Let's say it again. The blessing of the Lord is in Christian unity. What we have to remember as Christians is that gathering together in unity, there is a blessing. Are there times when we ought not to gather together in unity? There are times. Let's go to the book of Leviticus chapter 13. Leviticus chapter 13 tells us what to do when sickness comes upon people or the land. Leviticus is an Old Testament scripture, but it has modern day wisdom for us. Did anybody get the number count yet? Is Bertel still counting? Let me know when you do. Leviticus chapter 13 verse 4 says, If the shiny spot on the skin is white, but does not appear to be more than skin deep, and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest is to isolate the affected person for seven days. And then after the seven days to check on them and keep checking on them for every seven days. When is it good for us not to gather together? When we have contagious diseases or could be suspected of having contagious diseases, then it's not good. We should isolate ourselves. And that's why we as a church did isolate ourselves for the last six and seven weeks. How many did that? How many were good citizens? We didn't know what was coming our way. Did you get the count, sir? Okay, thank you. A lot to count here, I know. Won't rush you. Take your time. 150, 180. No, I'm kidding. Um, When we got the news, we didn't know. And they said, we don't know who has it, who doesn't. It can be dormant for 14 days. So we want all of you to quarantine yourself for 14 days. And how many did that? 
from the end, middle of March to the end of March. We all did it. But then they came back and they said, oh, now it's worse than what we thought. We don't, we don't know if we have enough ICU rooms or ventilators. So now the issue isn't whether or not uh, you have it, but whether or not it spreads fast or too fast for our resources. How many believe that's what they told you? And how many said, I'm good with that. I want to make sure that I, who may be asymptomatic or don't have an issue with taking on influenza-like illness, that's what they call COVID. It's in an influenza-like illness category. For the sake of others, I'm going to stay away or wear a mask or be distant. How many were supportive of that? Amen. We were supportive of that. But now in Illinois, what have we come to understand? In Illinois, we have enough ICU rooms. We have enough ventilators. And we now know that this discriminates when it comes to the death rate. It's 86% for those over 60 with preconditions. So go ahead and put up that slide so that you can understand why we are now gathering today and starting to have public services. See, our faith tells us that it's good when Christians gather together. How many believe we just read that? Psalm 133, and then in Hebrews it says, don't forsake the gathering together of the brethren even in the end times. How many know that part of the end times is an increase in illnesses and diseases? How many know that? That's another sermon that I've preached before. But we also believe that during times of sickness, you quarantine the sick or those you suspect are sick. Have we done that for seven weeks? We've done that. We've enabled our city to ensure they have enough resources. What's a fact that we now can put into play to this? We have the First Amendment that says we can gather together and practice our religion. What's another fact that we have? We see that countries like Sweden, who never even did a forced lockdown, fared better than their European neighbors per million death rate. They did better than Spain, better than Italy, better than France, better than the UK. And so we now understand that COVID is not going anywhere. They suspect it will probably be like the flu in that season and that we're going to have to learn to live with it. And waiting for a vaccine is a year to three years off if they can even do it. Herd immunity, it passing through all of us a year to three years off. You and I now have a decision, risk versus reward. Do we want to practice our First Amendment right and start gathering together, or do we want to wait for the governor to tell us we can have that right? I believe as a Christian, you have been given that right, and you should have that decision. So that's why we're meeting the way we are and let me just give you a few testimonies about this. And you can find this on our Facebook. And if you want it emailed to you, you can go to info at mpichurch.org. So you know they probably, uh, you know, are going to mess with us a little bit in government because that's just what governments do. But where did it cross the line? When they said I could only have two on a boat. They said that includes... Even the family. Turn me down just a little bit to monitor, brother. I know we're used to preaching to multitudes, but it's just a little loud even for me. Thank you. 
So that's where it crossed the line. I have a family of eight. I have six kids. They were basically saying to me, you can ride in a 15-passenger van with the windows closed with your family, be in the same room with them in your house, but once you go to the marina, you're only allowed two on an outdoor boat. <laughs> you know, come on, somebody. Uh, just a little bit more. We'll find a happy medium. Just a little bit somewhere between there. Thank you. And so I was like, well, I don't know I'm going to passively resist this. So I'm going to put my family on a boat. And thank God the agencies around us, Fox Waterway, they don't care. And they're going to passively resist not enforcing the law because local government has that choice. So one day, just recently Monday, I was cleaning my boat. And that happened to be just after I preached Sunday about resisting tyranny. And I talked about how when Romans 13 applies and when it doesn't apply, we submit to governing authorities when they are a threat to wrongdoers and a approval to rightdoers. But when they become a threat to rightdoers and an approval of wrongdoers, we are to passively resist. Hence the person who wrote Romans 13 being in jail so much, okay? So either Paul contradicted himself awfully a lot, or he was meaning something that people who just surface read that don't understand. And as I shared before, people who love taking that scripture out of context were Nazis to the Christian churches in Germany. They loved using that. Submit to us. We carry the sword. The British love saying that to the American revolutionaries. Submit to us. We carry the sword. Black slave owners love saying that to their black slaves, but they didn't say the sword. They said, submit to us. We carry the whip. So don't be like a Nazi slave owner or a British loser. Be like Jesus and the disciples who knew how to righteously submit to governance that provided safety for people. So when the Roman government surpassed that line, the church was there to say, sorry, we cannot follow you. And it's something how people who murder 3,000 children a day, like our governor and approve of abortion, now care so much about our rights. Isn't that something? I wonder if there's something going on in, in behind the scenes. So anyways, I'm resisting. I'm bringing my family on the boat. And guess what? A reporter shows up right after I preached on tyranny last week. He shows up and he goes, hey, do you want to tell something to the governor? And I go, sure, I would like to do that. Never called, never filed a lawsuit. A lot of churches and others are doing that right now. That's not me, not called to do it. Don't want to waste my time and money. That, and if God told me to do it, I would, and I support those who are, but just, just not for me. So I got on the news there, right? But then I tell him I'm a pastor, and that will be opening up this Sunday. And so he decides to come, and he came between the first and the second service. Did we have the count yet? 45, 45 plus 64, 109, 45, what's the number? Did I say 109? I thought I did, but nobody wanted to affirm it. Did you guys lose your minds on the lockdown? Have you, have you forgot what it's like to be around people? Can we hang out and have fun? Like, I don't understand. I feel like I'm all up here by myself now. I said 109, right? Okay. So we had close to a little bit less than half of our congregation come today. We'll see who comes next week. But, but I was like, okay, I'll tell the governor whatever, and then when they come today, I'll tell you whatever. But this is something special, another confirmation. I'm leaving out of my house, about ready to drive the hybrid, and it gets about 40, 50 miles per gallon. So I'm going to drive that into the city. But the Lord said, no, drive the truck, which gets about five miles per gallon, and put the cross back there. 
that I've been using to preach with all during this time because we go to Walmarts, the parks, and been preaching. So I put it back there, drive it here to the city, and when I get here and park in the back parking lot, the Lord tells me, take the cross, walk it out in front of the street, singing, I have decided to follow Jesus, and let the city know you're here to have church. I ask Rudy to record as I begin to do that. The moment I step out of the parking lot and take the turn down this sidewalk, start, start walking this way, Channel 7 News is there with the camera and pushes record. Tell me this is not a God thing for us to have a voice during this time. Don't let people discourage you because they have a different faith or don't have facts. It's our faith, and these are the facts. And real simple, just in summary, God has told us to gather together, and he's told us how to do that when we're sick or if we suspect we're sick, and we've done all of that. So it's time to gather together and quarantine the sick and let the healthy among us make our decisions. The facts are we can do this. We don't need the governor to give us the right to do this. This was given to us in the first sentence of the First Amendment. We're very important to this country. Number two, we've shown that allowing uh, people through Sweden's example... That, that lockdowns aren't necessarily better than non-lockdowns. We should have our own right to decide how to move forward. Uh, number three, our hospitals and resources are ready for us. They've already shut down the field hospitals like McCormick Place that they spent $7 million on, 2,000 beds, and only used about 100, if even that, in places that they prepared in my area and Elgin never e were even opened. They have room for us. You can look at the government websites for that. And then the death rate, as terrible as it is, it is predominantly for the elderly with preconditions. And so if you take over 3,000 deaths in Illinois and you put that to our 12 million citizens, the death rate to our 12 million citizens is about 0.025%. That doesn't mean it won't go higher, but what we're seeing already is that 999 Five are safe of this. And it doesn't mean you won't suffer or have a bad flu-like illness. It just means that this is now going to be our steps moving forward. And, and lastly, it's one to three years before herd immunity happens and or vaccine. And you have to remember in times like 1968, the Hong Kong flu had over 100,000 deaths and they still had uh, uh, Woodstock at that time. So our country has even done differently. And now our modern day flu vaccine can contains strands of that. And so that may be in, in our flu shot. We may have strands of COVID in there. Who knows how it moves forward? But we volunteer as Christians to come and start being on the front lines. And as I notice in the light, my spittle is going forth. Uh, you can be here and wear a mask or be back there and be a little bit safer. But how many here want to use your religious rights and start meeting together as the church? Amen. That's what we want to do. And so the Bible says that we should gather together and there's a blessing that comes on that. So we don't want to be a curse to this city. And I'm not going to keep talking about this. And I'm certainly not going to call up the news and try to get on again. It was never my intention to get on the, the, the two times, three times that I've been on. That's not my intention. What we're going to do now is just go on as business as usual. And like I said, we're missing over half of our congregation even now. Some of our leaders, for whatever reasons, don't want to do this. And that's okay. That's the beauty of what's going on right now. The online is for them. Even for our life groups, you can start meeting together because they have already approved groups upwards of 10. You can start doing that. Now, a couple questions people may ask is, well, what if they shut you down? Well, like I said, I'll probably decide at that time to not fight it because I don't have the time nor the resources to mess with that. We'll just take the gospel truck and go to Humble Park and have it outdoors, amen, <laughs> or do it out in our parking lot or something. But uh, the alderman called me and others have spoken with me and said nine times out of 10, our prediction is that this will not 
be shut down. But we'll see. The governor can surprise us and do something even more stupid than having a limitation of only two in a boat. He may try to limit Christians from gathering together. But thankfully, there are lawsuits from good churches. And pray for them. The Romanian churches who have been through communism have actually said this has now, because they were like us, did seven weeks of immunization. They say this now sounds like propaganda. We don't feel right about this. There's something not lining up with facts anymore. We feel like our religious freedom is infringed upon. Learn about them online. And they do have a lawyer, and they're going all the way as far as they can with it. So pray for them. But let's go to the Genesis passage that teaches us that it's not good for man to dwell alone or for humanity to dwell dwell alone. Go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. We know it's good to dwell together, but are there repercussions if we don't dwell together? Yeah, there are. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Did you know that children develop their psychological well-being and their immune system through touch? And do you know, so do adults. You can Google right now the harmful effects of isolation. Isolating yourself for a long period of time can psychologically affect you in negative ways, as well as physically. Physiological detriment can come to isolation. God said that from the very beginning. He said that it's good for us to be together. It's good for us to exchange life together. Uh, As now, even living in a fallen world, we know that our immune system is impacted by exchanging bacteria from one to another. Now, sadly, there are times like we've experienced even recently where some of us could pass something unknowingly to somebody else. And now we have to ask, is it still good even if there's a risk of that? Well, let me ask you some questions. Let me ask you questions. Have you ever had the flu before? How many have had the flu before? How many know last year over 30,000 people in America died from the flu? Do you know that you might have been responsible for that? You might have through the butterfly effect. You might have had the flu. You might have then passed it to my kids who passed it to everybody else in the house. And then they went to the playground and passed it to all the kids in the neighborhood and then passed it to a sweet old grandma or grandpa who was just Gucci, Gucci, gooing on one of their kids who happened to have the flu. And grandpa passed away from pneumonia. That's what my grandpa passed away from. Do you know that a lot of elderly people pass away from influenza-like illnesses? Well, where do they get it all the other times of the year? Do they get it from Nazis that are sprinkling influenza everywhere they go? No, they probably got it from the Gucci goo or from their golf partner that they shook hands with, and it came to them. As a matter of fact, When we isolated for the last seven weeks, did it stop coming to our nursing homes? No, because even the mask, even the precautions that we have are so hard to stop something so small. And I don't wish that we just let it run rampant now. Let's just all see who lives and survives. The real game of Survivor, who wants to play? Take your dose of COVID. But isn't that in one sense actually what immunization is, a little dose, safely letting your body build up. So though it was sad that grandpa passed because of the flu last year and we didn't shut down the world, is it worth now not hanging out with grandpas today? 
or grandpas moving forward? When will we know it's not good for grandpas and grandmas to be alone again? Who will make that decision? Well, I think Christians with families recognizing good science should make those decisions. As you are probably much aware of right now because of the mass controversy, it keeps coming out, but for some reason people don't understand it. Masks don't protect you from getting it. They just protect the spreader from spreading it more fast and loose and easy. So let me ask you a question. If grandpa right now had it and put on a mask, would you be willing to go see grandpa? I would. How about somebody you knew or loved that was dying right now? If they put on the mask, the nurse helped them put it on. Would you want to hold their hand as they're preparing to pass from this life to the next? Yeah, but our government says you can't do that. It's not good for man to to dwell alone. And so what we have to do is protect what is good about us dwelling together, even in the midst of sickness. I may be sick next week, and God forbid, I wouldn't want to come to church and spread it. But if I were to die, I would say, can I put a mask on and hug my kids again? Why should I die alone? Because someone else is afraid to catch something that probably won't even affect them the same way. 99% of the people won't affect them. And so now we've kind of built almost this idea that dwelling with people is bad and it's icky. And unless we have a vaccine and a test, I'm not going to dwell with people. Well, would you just think about that for a minute? Are you going to test your friend, your family every day? Because if you tested them yesterday, they might have got it today when they used the the gasoline because they touched something there. And are you going to test me every day to whether or not I can perform your wedding as the future goes on or dedicate your your child? You see, I hope that technology may have a, a thing to help us with that. But guess what? I don't have that now. And here's another question to ask. That's about living. But what about genetic diseases? What about things like your mom gave you? Some of us here, your mother had cancer. In our first service, her mother had cancer, and her mother's mother had cancer. And guess what happened to Lauren? She got cancer. Let me ask you a philosophical question. If Lauren could have the choice to to have a different mother, should she choose one? Mom, I don't want you to be my mom. You're going to give me cancer. And you know what? That's not fair, Mom. Shame on you for even wanting to have kids. I want to have a mom without cancer. Isn't it something when we begin to ask questions like that, we almost start to mock God in a way, don't we? We're almost now showing that we're really a fear, have a fear of death. And it's not necessarily wisdom that we're using. It's a fear that's manipulating. And the devil would love for us in these end times to view man as our enemy instead of viewing humanity as a part of the solution to the problem. And it's not good for us to be alone. We need family. We need friends. And we need to share life together, even if the people who love us the most, like our moms, give us cancer. Still worth having you as a mom. Rather have you as a mom than never know the love that you've given me. Does that mean once again we become fast and, and, and we don't do things in time? We've done things in time. What I'm saying is seven weeks is enough, friends. It's time to open up back our country 
and allow our bodies to adjust to each other's bodies and start dwelling together. And if you're not okay with that, I'm okay with you. But just understand, you're not going to be able to bubble wrap life. I can get into a car and do everything safely. I can put on the seatbelt. I can hold it at 10 and 2, the steering wheel. I can drive on the the, the right speed limit, the right lane. I can do everything safely, but that doesn't guarantee I'm going to safely make it here. There are other factors in the world that can come. And what we have to do, Rudy, can you grab me some water, please? What we have to do is weigh the risk versus the reward. Well, when is it a good time to come to church? Let's go to the book of James. When is it a good time to gather? Well, we know it's not when we're sick or when we think we're sick. But when are those times that we should gather and support one another? It says in James chapter 5, verse 13, when it is, is anyone of you in trouble? Let him pray. That's a good time to gather. Are we in trouble right now as a nation? Has unemployment hit the heights it's ever hit? Thank you. Have we suffered in ways that we've never suffered for in a long time? Absolutely. So should we be gathering together to pray? Yes or no? Yes. Then let us gather together. Somebody might say, well, we can gather online. You can, but it's not the same as gathering on person. In person, how many of you are married? How many want to gather with your spouse today online versus gathering with them in person? <laughs> okay? Do, or do we or do we not believe we are spiritual beings? Do we or do we not believe that we have souls and souls need to interact with each other? And some of us need human touch right now. And I'll be the first one to say, if you need a hug as a male, I'll hug you today. I'll hold your hand and pray for you today. I'll lay hands on you. If you don't need it nor want it, that is fine. But I'm here like Mother Teresa in the midst of an epidemic to say, you're still touchable. You're still touchable. You're still valuable. And so if you're in trouble today, I want to pray with you and for you. And if you want me to wear a mask, that's still okay. I'll do that. Just understand in here, I'm not going to because I want to preach effectively. The Bible says, if anyone's happy, let them sing songs of praise. How many know it's different singing songs in your shower and singing songs in church? I know we sing on our way to work, we sing sing in the shower, but it's something that happens when we sing together. That's why the Bible's full of gatherings together. And, And I get it right now, The government may say, we're not ready for huge gatherings. We're not ready to let thousands meet and all of that. Okay, I get that. But at some point, are thousands going to meet? Because we're going to have to do that at some point, aren't we? Not not to disrespect the sick, not to disrespect the weak among us, but to simply say, we have to sing together. And in churches this size and larger need to sing together. Is anyone sick? Let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil. Is it okay at times to come to church when you're sick? Yes, as long as it's not transmitted to others. So if you have cancer, can you, get, can you give that cancer to somebody else? No. So if you have cancer and you want us to pray for it, let us pray for you. We would love to pray for you. Do people still have cancer right now during this time? 
Absolutely. And I feel so bad for many of them because they're so full of fear. They say that people aren't getting cancer treatment. People with heart disease aren't getting their treatments because they're so afraid of what's going on with COVID. Actual hospital floors are closed. Doctors are home because we have shut down everything for this small percentage who, who need that other care. But we've, I believe, in some ways neglected those with that care. We need to show some normalcy. And even though somebody might say, well, pastor, it's, it is okay if they come. But listen, you freaking out is not helping them want to come. We need to show them it's not time to freak out anymore. We didn't understand at the beginning. I get that. We understand now primarily what COVID is. So we need to let the other sick people know we care for you too. We do care for you. It's okay for you to come. Get your diabetes, your diabetic medicine. You know, get your, get your shots. Come to the hospital. Some of you with dentist issues, you're in a lot of pain right now. Go see a dentist. We need to start doing that lest all of these other sick people are going to suffer without care. So sometimes people like to say, you don't love your neighbor. No, I love all my neighbors. I love the 3,000 who have passed. I love the however many have been infected, 30,000 or however many in Illinois. And I love the 12 million as well. Can I do both? How many of you can whistle while you walk? How many can chew gum while you talk? How many of you can love those with COVID and love others? How many of you can do both at the same time? How many of you can believe that we need to be careful with our elderly and those with preconditions, but we also can open up a city and open up our families and start to let our bodies come together and share life together? I believe that. And the Bible says that's when we should gather. If you're in trouble, come gather. If you're happy, come gather. Uh, if you're sick, come gather. Those are the people that should be gathering and for those occasions. Now, what's the benefit of gathering? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. When we gather, what actually happens? Well, as I've said before, there's mental benefits, there's physical benefits, but spiritual benefits as well. Look at what he says, Paul speaking here. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. What begins to happen? We start to suffer together and we start to rejoice together. We're supposed to gather and rejoice and weep and mourn and carry each other's burdens and do that because we are, look at verse 27, the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. I don't want to be away from you if I don't have to be. I don't want you to be away from me if you don't have to be. So the choice should be yours about how you want to now move forward. Let me give you an example with this. The governor of Illinois is dealing with the same COVID of the governor of California and the governor of Texas. We probably don't have a different strain in the US. There may be, that's what they're trying to understand in the other European countries, why it was so high. Maybe it was because they were older. Maybe it's because they took flu vaccines that were different than ours and it's impacting them negatively. Maybe it's because they were smokers, etc. But here's what we can say about the United States. We're united. Most of us in the United States, whether you're in Texas, California, or Illinois, all have the same COVID strain. But why is Florida opening up the parks? 
where Mayor Lightfoot said, I'm not opening up the parks and don't you try to go there. And we make these silly memes of her. But really, she doesn't have our best interest when it comes to what we get from a park. What do you get when you go to a park? The outdoor experience, the endorphins, the joy of being with your friends and family. She said, I'm not doing what the governor's even allowing in other places. I'm shutting down the marinas. Well, thanks. Are we trying to protect the salmon from getting COVID? Why aren't we going on boats? Like literally, a boat is like an exile. You're away from everybody. You don't usually have a lot of people next to you, but they want to take that away. Why? Is that because good science says don't go on a boat? Good science says don't go to a park? It's the exact opposite of science. It's because our government has different agendas. And I'm not going to get into conspiracy. That's not what I do. But I want to stand for your liberty to be able to suffer when I suffer, honor when I'm honored, rejoice when I rejoice, and all of us do our part. This is what I can do for you right here. What I can do is offer up a space for you to come feel normal for a little bit, interact with other brothers and sisters who, for many of you, are closer to you than your own family. I don't even see my sister and brother. You guys are closer to me in many ways than my siblings, and for us then to begin to share life together. Now, what may be the risk to that? The risk to that may be we might share COVID with each other. I'm okay with that risk. If you don't know whether or not you would suffer from that, then go get a test and take the precautions that you'll need. Ask a doctor about your history and your family, et cetera. But I'm okay with flu-like symptoms, and I'm okay with that risk. And I don't want anybody to walk away going, well, I caught COVID at Metro Praise. Like, we're going to make a T-shirt out of that. Where'd you get COVID? I got COVID at Metro Praise. Because you still don't know if you got it from us. If you do... But here's what I do want you to do. Stay home, and we'll pray for you, and we may suffer with you, and we'll be there for you, and we're going to ask that you'll get better, and then you'll come back and join us, as others have already, and that we'll be on the front lines of developing this herd immunity. Because at this point, to me, risking our immune systems, risking our well-being, and risking the body of Christ moving forward is not worth what they have said. It's not worth it to me. I want to be with you. It's worth this risk. But if we do practical guidance, don't put our fingers in our mouths. Don't just rub on each other and just swap saliva and do all kinds of crazy stuff. We should be okay. This is not influenza. If it turns into that and starts indiscriminately killing our children, killing our, our strong among us, and we see those numbers just all across the board, whoever gets influenza dies, then we'll do something different. We'll go back to Leviticus and quarantining. But here's my prediction moving forward. This will now be a part of our flu season, and things like this will continue to increase and get worse as the end times gets closer, as Jesus' day of judgment is coming. And so because of that, listen, I want everybody to get this in closing. I am not asking you to join a political movement. I am not asking you to join me to be pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine. I'm not asking you for that. What I'm asking you to do is to join the church, suffer with us, honor with us, and rejoice with us. As we move forward, hope the best for us. It just totally blows my mind how someone in the name of health says they now wish I would get COVID because I'm doing this. You oompa loompa. How can you say out of one, one side of your mouth, you're going to, you know, you don't care about nobody. You, you guys, you know, don't really love people. And then out of the other side of your mouth say, I hope you get COVID and your family does. 
You see how disrespectful and irreverent they are. If you don't want to join with us, I don't hope anything but blessings for you. And I would hope that as others start to come in, because maybe, maybe today they were just watching us. Well, I heard Joe was going to be on the news and the first day open. Maybe the police are going to be there. Man, I don't want to go to jail. I already got a warrant. No, I'm just kidding. But I don't want to go to jail. Maybe they were just watching us. I don't know. And maybe more will come next week. And then maybe from other churches, they're like, hey, I watched my service online, but I heard these guys are in person. I'm going to come visit them. You don't have to join, but you're going to come visit. Okay, listen, I'm not here to try to do any of that for my notoriety's sake or for us to look better than everybody else. I'm doing this because I want to offer you the church. I'm, I'm here offering you the church. The church is here. Here we are. When I carried out that cross this morning, and saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. I am offering you a place now to experience what Jesus said the church was. A place where we suffer together. A place where we rejoice together. A place where, a place where we pray for the sick. And I would even want to encourage you that even in this time, because our life groups are meeting and they still have the option online or in person because the governor did allow up to 10 and our life groups are making ways to do that, that you would even invite people. And it may sound crazy like, oh my gosh, I'm going to invite people to the resistance of the church. Yeah, invite them. Why? Because you don't know how depressed they may be right now and how fearful they may be. Them getting out of their house, sitting down in a Bible study, even if they wear the mask and sit six feet away, may be just what they need right now. I know for even many in our church, the idea of getting to go to church on a Sunday meant so much to them psychologically. And by the way, that's why we didn't do it after the second week, third week, fourth week, fifth week. This is now the eighth week for us. I, I've been on quarantine for seven weeks as a pastor and I now know that many of our people need it. And I've already hugged some of them. They said, I do want to hug. I want to embrace. And we're going to believe God that we're going to beat this thing. So please, no one leave out here and allow anyone on Facebook or anyone in your neighborhood or anyone who watches these news programs to say, those are COVID deniers. Those guys are dumb. No, tell them to look at our same facts and then tell them we're not denying anything. We may still have a lot of suffering left. Like I said, in the Hong Kong flu, they, they had 100,000 die. We're only up, what, to 70,000, 8,000 a country. Another 20,000 might die. But what I'm saying is if they're going to die, they're going to die with the church around them and offering help. And those of us who feel like we are part of the herd, the strong genes, we're going to be here to help as well. And if our governor says, we don't need your help, stay wearing a mask, even though it does nothing in that way. Okay, I'll do it, governor. I'll, I'll take off my mask when you say I can take off my mask. I'm not here to get into more fights than need be, but I am going to stand for the church in our first amendment, right? I'm going to stand for brotherly love. I'm going to stand for rejoicing together, singing together, gathering together, and helping each other. Amen? Can we stand up and give it up for Jesus today? Welcome back to church. I hope that blessed you. Be encouraged this week. Rachel, would you come please in closing? We will have altar workers up here that they themselves will let you know how comfortable they feel with their space. Some of them, you, they may want more space than others. But if you're here today just and you need prayer, let